when I was about 20 years old, that was just a few years ago, our, don't laugh, Brand, uh, our Bible study leader decided that we should start doing some street outreach. And so each Thursday night, he sent us out onto the streets of Airdrie in Scotland to share the gospel with the young people who were hanging about, uh, drinking buckfast wine and smoking. We invited them back to our youth hall and chatted to them over a game of pool or table tennis. We really didn't expect much to happen. But God gave us such amazing opportunities to speak about Jesus. One night I was speaking to with a guy who was rolling a joint in his hand. And we were talking about God's love and he said something like, If God loved me, he would give me more of this. Meaning his cannabis. And I replied someone like, I think God would show his love to you by taking it away from you. And it wasn't a prayer, it wasn't a word of prophecy or anything like that, it was just a comment. But at that moment the wind just picked up and blew the whole thing out of his hand. And we kind of just stared at each other in shock. Uh, I don't know if he was more surprised or if I was more surprised, but I think he got the point. God's love wasn't demonstrated by how much, by giving him what he wanted, but actually by taking it away and giving him something better. Now I think very few of us here this morning would be tempted to measure God's love by how many drugs we have. But many people are tempted to measure God's love for them by what is happening in their lives. They might think, if God loved me, then he would make sure that my family was healthy. If God loved me, he would make me successful in my career, or my relationships, or my church. Or if God loved me, he would provide the money that we need. Or that he'll give me a nice house, or he'll give me a good car. If God loved me, he would, he would protect me from getting hurt and surround me by, with loving people. If God loved me, he would answer the prayers the way I want. And help me to feel his love and his joy and his peace. Now some people say those things. Some people might not say those things, but they might feel them, might think them. And so when bad things happen to us, when our plans fail or our health deteriorates or our resources are depleted or when people hurt us or reject us, it could be tempting for all of us to ask, If God really loves me, why would he let that happen to me? But in our next section of John's Gospel, Jesus taught us that God's love for us is shown by his desire to give us something much better than what we might ask for or desire. So we're going to read from John chapter 11. It's an amazing chapter. But we're only going to read the first 16 verses uh, this week and go on down through uh, in the following weeks. So John chapter 11 and verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and Martha, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet 
with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he, was, he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas called Didymus said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we might die with him. Mary and Martha were deeply distressed because their brother Lazarus was gravely ill. So they sent this message to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. Now in a sense they didn't ask anything of Jesus. They just informed him of, his, of, of their brother's condition. But clearly they assumed that Jesus would respond to this message and act in healing. And that, of course, was a good thing to do. The Bible teaches us to do the same thing when we are in desperate circumstances. So James wrote, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. And Paul told us that instead of worrying about the difficulties and distressing situations of our lives, we should instead turn to God and ask Him for whatever we need. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So it was right and it was proper that Mary and Martha turned to Jesus at this time of deep concern for their brother. And this was an amazing expression of their faith. Lazarus was seriously ill. His sisters had no doubt done everything that they could to help him. But they sent word to Jesus because they believed that he could do what nobody else could do. Later in this passage, when each of these women met Jesus, they said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's amazing, isn't it? By sending this urgent message about their brother's condition, they were making a desperate plea for Jesus to come and heal him because they believed absolutely that Jesus had the power to do that. And we too can call out to the Lord 
in our times of distress. Because we believe that no matter how seemingly impossible our situation is, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. But their message didn't just express amazing faith. It also expressed their confidence in Jesus' love. They said, Lord, the one you love is sick. Mary and Martha here did not bargain with Jesus for his healing. They didn't try and say, well, Lazarus deserves this healing, or that he's earned it, or that somehow he will pay it back. If you heal him, then he'll do this and he'll do that, and that will make it worthwhile. They simply asked Jesus because they were sure that Jesus loved Lazarus. And that was true. Verse 5 says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And later on, Jesus spoke about Lazarus as our friend, Lazarus. So there was a deep connection between Jesus and this family. So Mary and Martha didn't need to convince Jesus to care about their brother. They just told him about his illness because they were sure that he cared. And that's the same when we call out to God. We can know for sure that God loves us. It's what we've just remembered in our time of communion together. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The cross demonstrates, declares, proclaims for all eternity that God loves us. So we don't need to bargain with God in prayer. We don't need to try and convince Him by pointing out our achievements or by promising our commitments. Instead, as Peter wrote, we can just come before Him in the confidence that He cares for us. Cast all your anxiety on him, Peter writes, because he cares for you. And Jesus did ultimately answer and respond to this plea. Even although it was incredibly dangerous. Verse 7, Jesus said, let us go back to Judea. And amazingly, this wasn't because Lazarus was sick and just needed healing. This was because Jesus knew that by this time Lazarus had died. And needed to be brought back to life. So he said in verse 11, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Now it's kind of funny to see how the disciples didn't understand this. They initially thought that Lazarus was just having a, having a good old sleep normal sleep and that would be good for him because he needed the rest but the situation was far worse than they'd imagined so Jesus said to them Lazarus is dead but Jesus was still going there because he was going to do something far beyond what even the sisters 
thought or, or asked for. But what these disciples were really focused on when Jesus talked about going back to Judea was not the amazing work that Jesus was going to do there. But rather it was the danger that he was going to put himself under. They said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you and yet you're going back there? And then at the end of our reading, Thomas expressed amazing commitment and courage when he said, let us also go that we might die with him. And in some ways, Thomas and the other disciples got it right. They were going into danger. The call to follow Jesus is a call to lay down our lives. For Thomas and the other disciples, this was a physical reality. They didn't die at that time, but they did lay down their lives for their faith. And Jesus warns them of this this very reality in this gospel. He said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. For many people today, following Jesus is a call to put themselves at physical risk. But then even for us, who don't live under that constant physical threat, the call to come and die is still the same. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's what it means to be be a follower of Jesus. Jesus was in a very real way going to Judea to die. In going there, he was stepping into a sequence of events that would lead to the cross. And he calls us, who are followers of Jesus, to do the same. To deny ourselves. To take up our cross like a dead man walking and follow him. Because we're no longer living our lives but we're living for him. So it was in a very real sense a dangerous mission to go back to Judea to go and see Mary and Martha. But Jesus was sure that the Father was in control of all of this. See what he says in verse 9? Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Now Jesus knew that danger awaited him in Judea. So Jesus knew that there was danger in Judea. However, he was sure that his life and ministry was in God's hands. As long as it was day, as long as God had worked for him to do on earth, nothing could touch him. He was safe until the cross, until the time of the cross. And so he was committed to fulfilling the work that he'd been given to do. And we can have that very same confidence, even as we face difficulties and struggles and dangers in our lives. Yes, following Jesus is costly, is dangerous at times. But our God is sovereign over this world. So everything that happens in this world is subject to his control and his timescale. So we can be committed to serving him wholeheartedly. 
as long as God gives us the opportunity. We can say with Jesus, as, as, John, as Jesus said in John chapter 9, as long as it's day, we must do the work of Him who sent me. So God's timing can be a real encouragement to us. But God's timing also presents to us a challenge. Mary and Martha did the right thing here in telling Jesus about their brother. They expressed amazing faith in the power and the confidence in the love of Jesus. And Jesus did eventually go to them, and as we'll see next week, did even more than they could imagine. But Jesus didn't do it as they expected. Look at verse 6. Probably one of the most, con- the most difficult verses in this passage. Yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. This situation was serious and it was urgent. No doubt they expected Jesus to immediately drop everything and hurry to Bethany, but he did not. He stayed where he was for two whole days. And as we've already seen, Mary and Martha struggled with this delay. Remember how they said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. They were upset because they couldn't understand why Jesus had not come earlier. But we've seen throughout this gospel, haven't we? That Jesus refuses to act according to other people's time scale. Instead, Jesus was committed to following his father's timing. For example, remember way back in John chapter 2, Mary wanted uh, Jesus to provide wine for a wedding because they'd run out of wine. But Jesus responded, dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. Or when his brothers wanted him to go down to Judea at the Feast of Tabernacles to make a name for himself. Jesus refused. He said, the right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right. Or when the Jews again and again tried to arrest him and kill him, no one laid a hand on him, John 7 says, because his time had not yet come. And this is something that we need to accept as well. Yes, we are encouraged to come to God with all of our anxieties and problems and needs. Yes, we can ask God to work in healing and restoration and power. But God does not act according to our timetable. God does not act when we want Him to. We need to learn to accept that God's timing is different from ours. We need to learn to wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. 
And we can do this willingly. Because God's delays are not pointless. Instead, God acts according to his timetable and not ours because he's a deeper purpose. He has a better plan. If you look at verse 6 again, that word yet in verse 6, it can also be translated therefore or so. So John is saying here, Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, therefore he stayed where he was for two more days. Those two things are not contradictory, those two things flow from one another. We may have thought that if Jesus loved Mary and Martha, he would have rushed to Bethany as soon as possible to ease their suffering and fix their problem. But instead, John said that it was because Jesus loved Mary and Martha that he waited for two more days. Mary and Martha may have struggled with Jesus' decision to stay. They might have questioned it. They might have felt that it was unloving. But it was love that motivated Jesus to stay. Surprisingly, allowing Lazarus to suffer and to die was actually the loving thing to do here. So why was that? Why was this delay? Why was it the loving thing to do to let Lazarus die? Well, look at verse 4. Jesus said, it was because this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus knew that although Lazarus was going to die because of his illness, the ultimate end of this was not death. Instead, through the sickness, God would be glorified. Through the suffering of Lazarus and Mary and Martha, through their waiting, through their pain, through their questioning, through their tears, through their grief, through their amazement and their joy at Lazarus' raising, the glory of God's Son would be revealed more clearly. His power over death would be dramatically revealed. His own ultimate victory over the grave after the cross would be demonstrated. And the final resurrection day, when Jesus will raise from the dead all who have believed in him, that would be previewed. So through this difficult time, Mary and Martha and Lazarus would see more clearly than ever before who Jesus is. They would experience a clearer revelation of the person and the power of the Lord. And so they would be able to get to know him better. And that is the most loving thing that Jesus can do for anybody. Later on in in John, in John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus said this. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. 
and I too will love him and show myself to him. The greatest way that God shows his love to us is not in giving us an abundance of wealth or a pile of stuff, nor is it by giving us a pain-free or easy life. No, rather, the greatest way that God shows his love to us is by showing himself to us. It's by revealing to us his glory and bringing us into a deeper relationship with himself. The most loving thing that Jesus can give us is himself. And that's because that's what life is all about. That's what life in all of its fullness is all about. Now this is eternal life, Jesus said, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so as we'll see next week, this is what Mary and Martha received in answer to their desperate plea. They didn't immediately get what they expected. Instead, they got something far better. They saw the glory of Jesus clearer than ever before. And just in case any of us are are here this morning, we're kind of feeling sorry for Mary and Martha. Or even feeling offence, feeling offended on their behalf thinking, Jesus, well, that's okay for you to decide, but that's not fair for Mary and Martha to have to go through this. I think it's important to recognize that Mary and Martha were not disappointed by this. When we get to chapter 12 in John's Gospel, we'll see Martha expressing her love for Jesus in hospitality. And we'll also see Mary expressing it in extravagant worship. As we read in verse 2, this Mary was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. At the time of Jesus' delay, Mary might have struggled with his decision. She might have even questioned his love. But afterwards, she was deeply grateful. Not only to have her brother back, but even more so to have seen the glory of God in Christ. And so in an extravagant act of worship, she anointed Jesus' head with over a a year's salary worth of perfume. So other people may measure how much God loves them by how much health or wealth or success or comfort that he gives into their lives. They may feel unloved and abandoned when they go through difficult times. They might ask, if God loved me, why would he let these things happen to me? But we don't need to. We don't need to be tripped up by these circumstances in our lives because we can hold on to this wonderful truth 
Yes, according at the right time, according to God's timetable, Jesus will come to rescue us from all the sickness and suffering and death. But for now, God has once and for all demonstrated His great love for us in giving Himself to us in the person of Jesus. And that He works through the difficulties and through the disappointments and through the delays to reveal His glory to us so that we might see just how amazing Jesus is and we might bow in gratitude and worship today for His name's sake.